welcome to more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And you can find us on Twitter at at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons of The Podcast Producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes. And on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. And don't forget to leave us a comment. Leave us some feedback. Uh, please rate us on iTunes. Talk you, to us in the new year. We love hearing from our listeners. We Tell love what each you want and every us. one of you. We're here for you. Yes. All right. Yeah. So uh, this week on More to Come, the year ahead in graphic novels. And we're going to talk movies, people. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and... Aquaman. Aquaman. Oh, just, you'll have to contain yourselves until we get to that topic. But first, the year in graphic novels. All right. This year, I had uh, both the pleasure and the burden, uh, really the challenge of putting together the listing for uh, our spring announcements for the graphic novels coming out in spring 2019. Our former graphic novels review editor, Heidi McDonald, was sitting over here chuckling a little bit. <laughs> Because it's one thing to talk about doing the spring announcement issues, and it's another thing to do it. So it really is a test. And I said, Calvin, you really, you know, like Simba, you really passed your, your you know, <laughs> well, you're in the king of the pride now. Well, you the, know. The, the proof is in the pudding. Let's take a look at it. Uh, believe me, I hope I never have to do it again. I, I, I should shout out to uh, Meg Limke, our current reviews editor, uh, who was on maternity leave. So um, I, uh, I, the job fell to me. But um, you know what? It's a very interesting thing to do. <laughs> uh, let's look at the top ten. Yeah. And um, we'll start off. And actually, I'm very interested in this book because I, I, I had never heard of this historical figure. Coming from Pantheon, um, they seem to publish uh, a slate of graphic novels every other year, it seems like. Uh, but this is a work of nonfiction, Adventures of Alexander von Humboldt by Andrea Wolf and Lillian Melcher from Pantheon coming out in April. Uh, I was not familiar with Alexander von Humboldt, but he was apparently a prominent 18th century intellectual, uh, a Prussian explorer and scientist, and who had radical theories about You've the natural world. You've never heard of Humboldt? I, I He's had, super well known. Like, apparently, if you were yeah. into animals, he would go around and he would he cataloged all the insects uh-huh. and birds so, and well, all that this must stuff. Be what the yeah, natural world is into- all about. I was not familiar with him. Nothing, and and really don't know anything about him. So I'm really anxious to read this book. Uh, yeah, of course. When I was putting this together, I did a quick look through Wikipedia. So, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this book. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, you know, Calvin. Unfortunately, now that I don't work here anymore, I haven't seen any of these books. So you're yeah. the only one who knows anything <laughs> about them. Well. I guess I'll do all the talking yeah. then. <laughs> a rare occurrence on this podcast. But here we go. I'll do the best I can. Um, number two on my uh, top ten list. And this I'm really psyched. Cause I've actually read half of this book. Bottom Feeders by Ezra Clayton Daniels and Ben Passmore. Probably. Well, I have read this part of this too, actually. Yeah, I have go. seen this yeah, one. Yeah, I'm yes. really, I, I'm, well, first thing, I'm really anxious to finish the book. I read, read it half of it very quickly, uh, when it was first announced and then I got busy, but I was very impressed with it. I mean, uh, a very, I mean, we got two rising stars. Uh, they really took the world by storm last year with their books. Right. Uh, they've come back. They've teamed up together. This is sort of like some sort of fairy tale here. In, uh, creating well, it's fairy about tale. gentrification. It's kind of a exactly. science fiction novel about gentrification. Yeah. Of course, Passmore. 
uh, you know, they had they did run some of it online, so it has been. Oh, a, was it? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Well, they did mm-hmm. a little little preview little of it uh-huh. to kind of whet people's appetite. But yeah, very excited to see that one. But we have the author of Upgrade Sold, that's Edra Clay Daniels, yeah. and then Your Black Friend. So great. All right. All right. Anyway, looking forward to it. Afrofuturist horror. All right, coming up now. I'm, I'm curious about this Cannonball by Kelsley Roten, coming from Uncivilized. Um, do you know Ms. Roten? I didn't either, but you know what I did? I actually, this is before I even knew about this book. Uh, at um, Cab this year, I was wandering through, and I bumped into Pyrite Press, and there's a young woman there selling a book called Crimes. And I think we talked about this a little right. bit on a previous podcast. And then as I was filling out, uh, getting the the, um, the spring announcements together, I see she has another book coming out from Uncivilized, and it's a story... Uh, a coming-of-age story of Caroline, a queer, aspiring writer, alcoholic, art school graduate, and self-proclaimed tortured genius. Sounds like a nice debut. We're going to see. All right. Uh, now, I know I got poo-pooed about this, but uh, I had to get a superhero comic in there. And, hey, I'm a Batman fan. No, so, you didn't. Yes, I did. Well, you did, comics. Calvin. I didn't. I did. Yes. De- Detective Comics. 80 Years of Batman. Uh, this is obviously a companion volume to 80 Years of Superman that came out last year. I'm not pe- poo-pooing it. I think it's completely reasonable. I do, too. Yeah, you know what? My only uh, kvetch with the book is that it's a reprint. Uh, yes, it's a reprint of many uh, classic stories over the and 80 years of Batman. And it says a lot about uh, but there's superheroes. More. But there's it's, more. It's not a true reprint. It, it's an anthology that reprints things in a different context, which is different it's a commemorative, than a straight up. It's a commemorative edition, yeah. but it's also it's also a book chock full of essays about yes. the character which by are a new. variety. Yes, these are brand new. And and if um, the Superman volume was any indication, there's a new Batman story in it by someone. Anyway, so coming up, uh, and of course, edited by Paul Levitz. Uh, oh, now, another great one coming up here on the top ten. Fire Story by Brian Fees. Uh, his first notebook in a number of years. Um, and it's really, it's very timely and it's very uh, heartbreaking. Uh, it's a story of him losing his home in a California wildfire in 2017. Well, you know, this the story originally ran online, so I, yes. I have read a version. Yes, I think it has, he expanded yes. it greatly. But, um... Uh, you know, I mean, the, the, the fires have been in the news recently, and mm-hmm. tragically, this book took place two years, uh, yeah. a year ago in 2017. So, I mean, it's it's tragically, um, you know, timely, unfortunately. It's an awful manual for really how you respond and how your life is transformed during um, an incredible event like this. Uh, it, they literally lose everything, including like years of his artwork. Yeah, I mean it's really. Yeah, and I mean you know a lot of people lost yes, a lot of stuff. You know, uh, wasn't it that the Schultz Museum also it was like they they lost a lot of their archives yeah, also yeah, the actually, Schultz I didn't know that, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know dear Gerard Butler, uh, you know mm-hmm. half his house. But anyway, yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's really good. Off. It's very gripping. Yes. Um, oh, now I'm really excited to see this because I'd seen a little bit of this young woman's work uh, a few years ago, and it's really come now to be published. Hot Comb by Ebony Flowers, coming from Drawing Quarterly in May. Uh, this uh, this graphic novel, uh, which kind of looks at um, uh, it looks at notions of race, class, beauty, and identity as embodied in the lives of black women and their hair. Uh, oh yes, yes. Um, I've seen some excerpts of this as and, well. Yes, it's very, uh, very good. She's very influenced by Linda um, 
Linda Berry, the, uh, she studied with Linda Berry, and you can you really can see the connection. But these are really wonderful stories. What I've seen, and she won a Rona Jaffe story. I mean, she got an award in an award that's generally given to prose authors. So there you go. Coming up uh, next on the list, Love and Rockets. Is this how you see me? A new Jaime Hernandez collection, uh, and we get to see the incomparable Maggie and Hopi, his great characters. As a um, intermiddle age. Well, this is a story that he's been writing in the new uh, mm-hmm. magazine-sized uh, Return to the Magazine of Love and Rockets. And it's an awesome story where yeah. Maggie and Hopi go to a punk rock reunion. And if you're a Love and Rockets long-term fan, I am. you will be. <laughs> uh, it's top form, absolute top form. So good yeah. call there, Calvin. Well, we try. <laughs> we try. You know, even a broken well, clock is right yes, twice a day. Well, I have, right. <laughs> I'm going to have my alternate top ten after you're done. Actually. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. All right, uh, next on the list, this is an old favorite. Now, this is a reprint, too, but there you go. Uh, I think they let me get away with a little bit since um, I wasn't really supposed to do this uh, spring announcement issues. <laughs> McDougal Street, who I remember reading every week in the, in the Village Voice, so I'm really good to see it come, uh, come back in a hardcover edition. Uh, uh, a long-running strip in the Village Voice for many years. And he's added a, I think, about a 20-page new, uh, uh, new section to explain what happened when the street the, the strip ended so coming out from our friends at new york review comics nice yeah um now this is this is something that's very interesting coming up next uh off season a new book by james Sturm, um founder of of uh, the the uh the ccs ccs center in, for cartoon uh, studies in, uh, um <clears throat> Uh, uh, and using this one uses anthropomorphic animals, um, and it charts the dissolution of a marriage, keyed to the 2016 presidential campaign in the background. So, uh, Sturms is a fabulous cartoonist. I can't wait to see the book. Yeah. And the final uh, book on the top ten, they called us enemy by um, by Star Trek legendary Star Trek actor George Takai. Uh, published by Top Shelf, coming out in July. Uh, and it's an account of his childhood in a Japanese-American internment camp. You know, it doesn't list the artists. Is it a bunch of different artists on it? Um, that's a mistake. That. Oh. That's a bad mistake. Well, I'm sorry, Who Calvin. is the artist, Calvin? Um, I would have to go and look that up. That's a da- bad mistake. Okay. That should have been in there. And um, I'm embarrassed that I uh, just noticed uh, Well, Calvin... You know something? Announcements are the true test. Yeah. And, and they are nightmarish. Yeah. That, but at least you do, you have it better than I did because when I did them, half the publishers didn't send in their listings. So I had to make them all by hand. Yeah. You absolutely did. I remember when you first started doing this. Yes. I mean, it was amazing. And before I left, the gift to you and Meg was to put them all on the mailing list, which it's, I should have done for myself, but. So they do, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I was given a fairly extensive, um, a spreadsheet, uh, which I'm sure you didn't have. But it's, you know, it only gave, gives you about 38 titles or so at the end of the day. And there's, what, 55 on here. So, yeah. I, you know, I had to root around to find a few more. Yes. Well, uh, Calvin, even with your rooting, uh, there's a whole bunch more books that are I mean, it's oh, yes. going to be another great year. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, a book that I would have had, I'd been doing the top 10. That's here. This would have been on my list. It was the, <laughs> finally the collection of Clyde fans. Oh, yeah. I mm-hmm. believe that this is actually um, probably the graphic novel for our times because it is about the – it's by Seth. Mm-hmm. He's been working on it just like 
Jay salutes in Berlin. Been working on it for 20 years. Yeah. Right. And um, it's about the dissolution of factory towns and the the white men who try to find themselves when they're... Oh, just just type as quietly as you can. Okay. Find when the... the yeah, the dissolution. What happens with the, you know, the destruction of the of factories? And it's, uh, you know, it's it's truly Sethian. And I mean, he loves brick buildings and old factories. So, you know, it's elegiac. But uh, I'm really looking forward to reading this all in one, in one sitting. I I do think it's uh, his masterwork. So, you know, uh, for uh, uh, another superhero book coming mm-hmm. out. I mean, mm-hmm. it's right, it's coming out in a couple of weeks actually. But uh, uh, Mr. Miracle's coming out in paperback. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, Tom King and Mr. Ed's yeah. uh, very, very critically acclaimed uh, take on Mr. Miracle. Um, so you know that that's another really good book. I mean, there's so much. I mean, there's a book by uh, you have a lot of great books in here actually. Uh, Emily Carroll has a new book yes. coming out from Kodama yeah, I'm Press. excited to see uh, that. Very mm-hmm. exciting about that. Uh, I mean, Koyama is one of my just, uh, top publishers. Who else? They also have, uh, When I Arrived at the Castle, that is coming from Emily Carroll in June. Uh, let's see. They have also a new book by, uh, House of the Black Spot by Ben Sears, uh, that is also coming oh, up. Oh, yeah, uh, he's yeah. very good. He is. I and, missed that. <laughs> yeah, and of course, Drawn and Quarterly, uh, as always, has a lot of uh, amazing books like Making Comics by Linda Berry. Uh, that might not be a comic book, but uh, it is coming. Uh, let's see. They have Tamar- a new book by Eleanor Davis. Hello. Oh, yes. This is mm-hmm. like, you know, Red Letter Day. A new book by Vanessa Davis. Also. All right. Okay. Is there a rational adult anywhere coming out? Uh, other- now, what, what months are that? I mean, I was limited. I could only do it to a yeah, certain month. Yeah, these are fall books, so you know. Yeah, see, I couldn't, yeah, yeah, I couldn't include couldn't those. Do that. Uh, but the Tomorrow by Eleanor Davis, uh, says engages with our political moment, exploring what it means to care for those around you through one's work in the community and one's personal relationships. Well, you know, she's one of the truly great living cartoonists. So I'm pretty excited by that. Uh, there's a, a Ganges collection by, um, uh, Kevin Hazenga coming out from there. So, uh, and also, cool. uh, you know, more of their manga titles are coming out. Um, a, a, can I? Jump in with a title here yes. that is a little bit unusual, and I'm really looking forward to it because I've read some excerpts that have been floating around online. Good Talk by Mira Jacob. Uh, Mira Jacob, I don't know if you know her. She's a novelist, and she's written a wonderful novel called The Sleepwalker's Guide to Dancing. Um, I had no idea she was a cartoonist, but she's put together this amazing disc- uh, book that's really about talking with her six-year-old Half Jewish, half Indian son, uh, and this, you know, the shit he says. Right, right. And it's really, the, the extras I've read on that were incredibly funny and also go right to the heart of talking about diversity and in, in her life. Right. So look for that. What's Good it talk. Called again? It's called Good, Good talk, talk, talk by Mira Jacobs. It's coming from One World, which is going to be interesting. The, yeah. This is, uh, Chris Jackson's imprint. Right. Uh, he's never published a graphic novel right. before, but I'm looking forward to this. So, Kate, are there any books that you're looking forward to in 2019? Um, well, frankly, I don't have my hands on the previews, and nothing here really uh, tickles my brain. But um, that's okay, because I'm sure that when the time comes, I will a, see many things I enjoy are, on the show. Is there shelves. any manga coming out that you know of? You know, I'm not one of these people who, like, reads previews. Oh. I don't read previews. I, I just, I go into the store and I see books or I hear people being like, oh my god, this book! Um, 
And so when something comes out, I have no doubt I will hear all about it. But in the meanwhile, like, I, I don't. Yeah. yeah, and I and I will admit uh, our list here is very weak on manga, and um, uh, you know I just apologize to manga fans out there about that. Yeah, well, uh, I know. will say this though that the fourth volume of um, Dead Dead Demon is is out this month. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm looking, <laughs> and I can recommend I'm that. I'm looking by quickly through Fanta, Fanta graphics releases for the year. Uh, one, a lot of very exciting stuff coming up there. Uh, boy, uh, here's one that I like the sound of. Um, I know what I am. The true story of Artemisia Gentileschi by Gina Siciliano. I never heard of this comic before, but okay. you know, I love Artemisia <laughs> Gentileschi. Uh, guess what? There's a new book by Jason coming out. Oh, Josephine. There hasn't been one, uh, a book from him in quite a while. Another one. Uh, and how I tried to be a good person by Uli Lust. Uh, also oh, coming another Uli Lust. Oh, great. What yeah. month is that coming out? Uh, you know what? Uh, these don't have, they don't have, they they don't, have dates. Yeah, they don't have dates. Well, so. there's a Charles Foreman coming out also. Oh, from yes, yes, yes. Hobo Mom. Yeah, uh, an interesting. Uh, sounds like an interesting story. Yeah, you know Chuck Foreman kind of become the you know yeah. king of all media there. I guess it'll be a TV show pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's uh, see. Was there something else I wanted to point? Yeah, there's to? a lot. Oh, of- the the uh, the Na- Naval Institute Press Dead Reckoning imprint has uh, uh, I think three new books coming out. But in particular, I'm curious about um, uh, Night Witches by Garth Ennis. And which is a look at and it's interesting, there are several people out there that are looking at the role of women fighters in the USSR in World War Two. Right. So this is a book about actual female um uh, aviators mm-hmm. uh, right. who a basically sub- flew suicide a, a, a subject that Garth has long been interested in. Yeah, apparently so. he was trying to get this book published for yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. So, um, um, well, you know, this has really just scratched the surface of what's coming out <laughs> next year. I mean, you know, we've barely even talked about, you know, First Second has a, uh, First Second has a new Lucy Nicely book yes. out. Nicely book coming out. Yes. Kid Gloves, Nine Months of Careful Chaos. Yes. Uh, which is about her trying to get pregnant. Yes, and, and uh, struggles therein. So, and it's also kind of a history of pregnancy. fertility. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and of, of clueless men treating women. Now, that's kind yeah. of part of it too. So, uh, yeah, so definitely no shortage of books coming out. All the new publishers that we talked about, TKO yes. and Ahoy and all that. Uh, you know, I oh yeah, oh, just one more book because I just think this is very interesting. The Bebop Barbarians by um, by Gary Phillips and Dale Barry, coming from Pegasus Books. Also a new graphic novel publisher. But this is a, this is set in the world of 1950s and it's set among a group of black cartoonists, um, who are, um, you know, in, in the, the mailure of the jazz of the moment, the civil rights movement, and an attempt by these three car, these three black cartoonists to create comics in a basically racist, uh, industry. So I'm really looking forward to this. That book. sounds great. Yeah. So, Kate, I have a question for you. Out of these books, which do you think will be this year's My Favorite Thing is Monsters for Calvin? <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Well, one of these books that you just heard about, Calvin is going to talk about <laughs> forever during the course of the year. I think, I some, think it's going to be good talk. I think so, too. That's the wow. Like that. Wow. That. It could be. Know, know him well. It could yeah, be. But you is. know what? I personally... <laughs> I think it's going to be bottom feeders. But yes, I, but, you yes know, it could but, be bottom feeders. But it could also. be, it could yeah, be good talk. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. It could be bottom feeders. I think it, it could, could, it could it very could, easily be good Or it could also be, it could also be, uh, uh, hot comb. 
No, I it could, might that. be hot comb too. That's true. I don't think it's going to be hot comb. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, I could be wrong. Yeah, I think it's good. Good talk. <laughs> yeah, that's the one his voice got the most excited for. Because you guys, just in case you don't know, Calvin did. T- we we made a joke about it, but he really did love that book from the very first second he set eyes on it, long before it became a, you know best selling acclaimed book. So you know, he Cal- has good taste. Calvin has very oh, good taste, oh, and he he's as a prognosticator, he's actually very good at that. So you know, uh, every now and not- then I get a hold yes. of a book like a. Dog gets a of a bone. Yeah. And I just won't let it go. So, you know, you guys, uh, obviously, tons of great comics coming out. Yeah. Um, I am running my own survey on the beat this week and next week of stories. And uh, I got to say, I think, you know, the economic news is very up and down. And now China's in the crapper, right? Uh, Apple. Yeah. Announce ten percent less or something because China doesn't want iPhones and then the Dow took a, a huge, you know, plummet today. And this is why you don't get in trade for wars, folks. Yeah, but it's also, I mean, you know, we have been riding high with no fetters. And guess what happens when that happens? When eventually you econ- come down, at the economy crashes. And I, I listen. I don't. I don't mean to be like the you know doomy McGloomy, but we're going to see some consolidation in twenty. I mean, everyone's predicting a new recession. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll we will see, but uh, once you know, and, I and then of course we have an incompetent in the White House. Sorry, I mean, I, I you know, if I'm sounding biased, it's because I am. Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't think having an opinion is necessarily being biased. But the government is shut down. But <laughs> anyway. I'll tell you one thing. I've got a picture of Nancy Pelosi in her red coat and shades oh, on my yes. desktop, and let me tell you, I feel better every time I, I look at it. it. Is. It's a so comfort. we'll move it's on from there. Uh, I'm down with NDP. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, we should talk some more next time we get together. Maybe Kate, if you want to look at some manga, let's just look up some more of these great comics. That well, yeah, we should do out. a manga. We, we should, should do a, yeah. a, a segment and look at manga. Yeah. And just do it on our own. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, okay. yeah. Anything else though that's up coming up before we turn to um, talk, gushing about movies? Uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll just pick out one quickly more thing. Abram Comics Art, um, Nobody's Fool by Bill Griffith, The Life and Times of, of Schlitzie. Oh, yes. And it is a biography. Bill Griffith is awesome, yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I think that's enough. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, read one the thing issue. That, one thing that I have that's not in this issue, because I imagine they're not fully soliciting because they don't want to spoil, is that Ricky and Divine is coming to an end this year. Oh. And I oh, have right, no yeah, doubt that by next years, Christmas, yeah. Yeah, not, I'm not just a big fan of that. It's it is it is critically acclaimed. It is yeah. beloved. It is a huge seller. It is a yep. massive epic, and uh, I have no doubt that by this time next year we will have read it and it will be out. We'll be and I am looking it. forward right. to that ending because I think he's going to stick the landing. Cool. Yeah, All yeah, right. I agree. There's a lot of notable stuff. Um, any other trends though? Any other things to look for? The you know? uh, I think we're going to see more LGBTQ material. Oh, yeah. More, oh, and, yeah. You know what I mean, in a broad range of depth, I mean, from fiction to nonfiction, um, I, that's easily the biggest trend of last year, and it will continue. Well, yeah. One source – I was actually speaking with my co-hosts before this podcast about um, something that's not being officially translated in the United States because – Chinese law has started to get really weird about uh, people making money off of gay interest books. Um, there's been a growing sort of, I guess you might call it, uh, gay genre fiction market in China. And they've 
come out with a number also of graphic novels. But, <laughs> but, but the author cannot make too much money off of the original book or comic because the book and the comic are explicitly gay as opposed to merely being implied to be gay. And there are a lot of books like that out right now, which I honestly think that um, the uh, Chinese gay genre fiction and gay genre comics would be hitting our market hard this year because I just started to hear buzz about it last year, hitting our market hard this year in legitimate translation if everyone wasn't worried about getting arrested if they make more than a certain amount of money on it. Because apparently it's okay to sell it if you don't make too much money on it because whatever. But if you make too much money on it, then clearly you're succeeding at corrupting the morals of China's <laughs> youth. So, you know, they, they can't make too you know, much per book. Well, if you break open the corrupted morals market, you know, <laughs> you know the, the authorities the, will come down on you. Yeah, well, there's, there's, I mean, you wouldn't <clears> think <throat> they'd mind about corrupting Americans' uh, morality. I mean, they probably don't think we have any to begin with. Yeah, well, huh. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, they're it, not that far off. But it's anyway, sad to hear. On the one hand, obviously. Uh, uh, hopefully the books get to the people, right? Regardless of the government the books get repression, to the people, regardless of re- government repression. But it's just interesting to see like markets showing up worldwide that are getting squished, even as they're yeah. being born. Yeah, um, doesn't really work that well with capitalism, though, or even even fake capitalism. It will, it will. The money flows around obstacles. <laughs> is it, what it, usually happens. It does, but some people end up in jail for it. Yeah, that can happen too. That can happen too. Uh well, uh, it was a huge year last year, 2018, for superhero movies. Probably the greatest year. I mean, something like, uh, seven out of the top 11 movies were comics or superhero movies. And, uh, the year ended up with a bang with Aquaman and Into the Spider-Verse. Now, I think yeah. we've all seen Aquaman, correct? Yes. yes. All right. Indeed. So, Kate, I think you liked it. I think I was neutral. And Calvin? You know, I liked it, but, you know, I, I, but I don't want to, I don't want you to interpret liking it to think that I thought it was a good movie. Okay. Okay. So I think you should go first. (laughs) Well, Kate, I I think Calvin should go first and then I can, I can give my perspective. Okay. I mean, I don't have a lot to say other than, look, this is movie is driven by, I mean, one thing DC may be getting right now is they, they know how to cast the lead. You know, Lisa and Wonder Woman, they did a good job and they did a good job at Aquaman. I mean, Jason Momoa is, you know, I I know what the women think of it, but you know what, <laughs> the dudes like him too. I mean, this there's the guy's fun to watch on the screen. He comes alive. It's a fun movie whenever he's anywhere on the screen. Um, uh, he's funny, roguish, profane, likes likes beer. I mean, what's not to like? Um, uh, that said, this is a weirdly affectless movie. I mean, I really don't get much of a sense of personality even though it's full of big stars anywhere through the movie um, Nicole Kidman was fine um, Willem Dafoe uh, was a complete waste but you know he, he didn't do anything wrong that's what happened to him after he got killed by a shark in the Steve Zissou <laughs> I, I guess that, you know um, but, uh, you know, and I know we're not supposed to talk about what women wear but you know what's her name heard yeah. uh, I mean what was she wearing <laughs> I, I have to say that watching this movie, I was thinking, is there like a girdle under there? <laughs> I, I like think it was, there was. I mean, like human <laughs> beings don't really come in that shape. I'm pretty sure that was the costume designer, but it was very rubber. Let's um, put it that way. I guess it was supposed to be a 
scuba suit like you wear when you're underwater. Well, they spent so a lot of time in water, so maybe it was, that was it. It was like a scuba suit with built-in corset. It was very strange. Uh, bad dialogue. Um, I mean, it was like it was. was it, didn't it feel like it was like borrowed from every movie you could think of? I mean, I don't. I don't want to. I sound like I'm trashing it, which I guess I am. But you know, actually, I, you know, I came out of it. I enjoyed it. I will say this: in some ways, it reminded me of Justice League, except it was better than the Justice League. So I'll I'll stop there. Okay, Heidi. Now, what's your take? Well, I liked it a bit more than Calvin did. Uh, you haven't mentioned the incredible, uh, you know, art direction. It looks good. And you're I, right. You know, I will say, yes. in the incredible battle of Marvel versus DC. You know, they both have their their game plan. And Marvel's is to let Kevin Feige do the planning, and uh, at first it was to spend as little money as possible and give these kind of generic-y movies that were a step up from TV, but now he's got everything and can spend as much money as he wants. You notice the movies are getting better and better looking and sounding and everything. Meanwhile, DC has always been like, we're going to top-load this with stars, and we're going to get name directors to make these movies, you know, even in a... uh You know, like Justice League, you, you, the, the or Man of Steel, the... the um so the smaller roles are played by stars yeah. too, you know. Yeah. Whereas in a Marvel, because they're all hoping to be have a bigger part in the right. Sequel. Well, they also Warner spends a lot of money on it, and you know what? Their movies looked better than the Marvel stuff. Even I said Green Lantern yep. had better art direction than any of the first ten or twelve Marvel movies. And Batman vs Superman looked great. Absolutely, right. you know, terrific. Zack Snyder is a movie maker yeah. with a lot of vision. Batman vs Superman needed another light bulb. Yes, but it, it but, was it was dark, but it was beautifully shot. It was beautifully shot. It was rich. Yes, no, this is a dumb movie. But yeah, I mean. dumb movie that was beautifully <laughs> shot and um. So uh, with Wonder Woman, they finally put it all together with a director, a star, some, you know, their casting with all the other roles, you know, Robin Wright as, as, um, the auntie there that everybody loves so much. Uh, uh, you, and so, you know, the, the smaller parts were also kind of star casting. So anyway, Aqua, the Wonder Woman, they've put it all together and then, you know, it's just risible. That Aquaman, this character that everybody's made fun of. You know, the two characters, if you had sat down all the Warner Brothers and DC executives in a room and said, who do you think is going to work? Well, Superman and Batman, you know, I mean, we can't miss. Like, what about Wonder Woman? Oh, it's impossible. How can you make a movie about Wonder Woman? You know, and Aquaman, he's a joke. And yet somehow these two movies. These are the biggest movies in the Right. <laughs> now, is that perhaps cause and effect? Is it perhaps because there was more like, oh, I don't know, man, just... You know, hey, yeah, just give it a shot and see what happens. Uh, with Aquaman, I 100% agree with Jason Momoa. The guy is just lovable to men yeah, and women. Absolutely. He's just likable. He's so likable. And, but I gotta give director James Wan a lot of credit too. Like, the script, as you said, is really, really poor. But the plot is not bad. The plot is the good. The plot is the good. The half-breed thing works. The half-breed thing works, and I, I like their quest. I think it's been a it's been a while since we saw this kind of a you know quest where they have to go travel around the world. I mean, I wish the dialogue between Mira and Aquaman had been a little more sparkling. <laughs> it was so bad. Uh, but they had, they still had chemistry. I yeah, mean, I think anything would have chemistry with Jason Momoa. And let's face it. But, um, yes. you know, I liked the quest and I liked that they went to these different worlds and all the different worlds were like fantasy and, and really something to mm -hmm. see. And I thought the final battle was great. You know, they used a lot of new techniques to shoot the underwater mm -hmm. and I thought it was really had some scope and some scale. So you know what? I rate this movie entertaining. 
Yeah, okay. I, well, I can't. I can't argue with that. So I'm. I'm not going to go as far as some of the misguided folk who think that this movie was better than Wonder Woman, or even even an equal of Wonder Woman. No, mm. no, it was not. No, but I, I say this is somewhat. But but I enjoyed the movie vastly. Um, I would say that it had a greater successful evocation of a sense of wonder than I've seen in a movie in in a few years. I mean, I would say that it genuinely felt like an adventure movie. It wasn't really a superhero movie. It was an adventure movie. And was it something that made me feel deeply? No. No, it didn't. But it didn't need to make me feel deeply for the characters. It made me feel gleeful and excited to watch because it was this massive overstuffed, yeah. like every everything, like like just you could just spend a week mentally un- unpacking it, uh, like collage of of creative world building excess yes. I mean and yes there were definitely callbacks to other things like every single time they were in a vehicle <laughs> sailing toward Atlantis with like neon-y stuff going on I was like Tron Tron <laughs> Tron was that- not that I mind Tron <laughs> was that chase across the rooftop was that Tintin I mean <laughs> just a I thought that was the born born. Was that maybe it maybe was? Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. it was. It was. Yeah, it was. It was like a cross between Tintin, born, and the second to last uh, James Bond movie. Okay. Like all of them in a blender. <laughs> okay, except with more falling down and more humor, um, and more exploding wine. Yes, uh, yes, <laughs> that was pretty cool, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, it was. Visually, no some spoilers here. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I, it doesn't really spoil much. Exploding I, line. I, 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 I will <laughs> say this: if you saw Ant Man and the Wasp and Aquaman, they had the same plot. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see Ant Man, but anyway, so, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Um, even with the same star. Even the, yeah, yeah. Well, no, it wasn't same star, the but the exact same role. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, but I think expounding on the Jason Momoa thing and the quote unquote half breed thing is that. They really they showed that casting Jason Momoa was smarter than we thought because not only is he a very charming actor and looked very good with his shirt off, but <laughs> but the fact okay in the comics it is Aquaman's backstory that he's half Atlantean and half human, and but at the same time like his parents both look like the most Aryan people who ever lived, <laughs> and so does he. Whereas making Jason Momoa a multiracial person play this character and casting his parents appropriately to be Jace Momoa's parents casting Tamara Morrison as his dad and Nicole Kidman as his mom you could you know it it made the bicultural biracial issues of the plot work better and more visceral and more meaningful so that when his Blonde brother starts sneering about him at him about his illegitimate birth and his dirty blood. Like you feel it. And I thought Patrick Wilson was great casting for that role because yeah. he's so blonde and bland looking. <laughs> an, 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 an Aryan looking. I, I, I will say that he's about 
10 years too old to be Jace Momoa's younger brother. Well, but yes. but whatever, they're, they're, they're <laughs> magical <laughs> underwater people. Uh, let's yes, not think exactly. about it too Yeah, hard. they're elves. You know, they're like elves. They you live forever. You, know, and they, you, they you can't think about these skin. points yeah. too hard. Don't think about that too long. Too. And speaking about not thinking about things too hard, like, don't don't think too hard about their appearances in Justice League. Yes, they kind because of retconned they, that they, out of existence. Yeah, they didn't need to. See, what they could have easily done is just say this took place before Justice League. Like, that's all they would have needed to do. But they, they did a callback to Steppenwolf, so that means it takes place after. And given that in this movie he meets Mara mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, another character who we won't spoil, um, and clearly has not met them before everything in Justice League doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. Whereas well, if it took place afterward, it would be fine. But whatever. Don't think about well, it too hard. I, I think it's really uh, you know, they really lucked out in with both Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa because they both really took on the mantle of these characters. And, you know, I of course, I follow Jason Momoa on social media. And, you know, he's had, like, video after video of the whole thing. And he wrote this really awesome, or his, you know, his handlers did, wrote mm-hmm. this really awesome um, post about uh, being Polynesian yes. and uh, how people think the sea separates people, but it really yes. bring, keeps them together, binds them together. And you know what? That's a beautiful thought. That's a beautiful oh, thought for absolutely. what this movie I mean, guy, is, this is guy about. Connects. And, you know, of course, Gal Gadot, like, took on, you know, Wonder Woman as the ambassador, you know, like a duck into and water. I so. have one petty thing that I liked about it that is going to be a spoiler. So fast forward by a minute yes. if you don't want to be spoiled, people. <sighs> bloop, 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 bloop. Okay. Uh, I really <laughs> liked that despite many fake-outs, both his parents lived. I yes, know. That's I right. That was really a hero cool. with two surviving parents who he has a really good relationship with and actually a pretty healthy that's, relationship with. Uh, that I is want, worthwhile. It is. And, and that really plays up what you talk about, the adventure aspect of it. You know? And I mean, in the, I mean, they obviously sent, set up the villain for the next movie in this one. But you know what? Uh, it's, it, it, it just has the feeling of adventure, a sea, a seagoing adventure underwater. And you know, I, I yeah. props to James Wan, the director. I mean, he's the yeah. one who who kept this this good feeling that we all felt to one degree or another. Like he's the one who put that on the screen. He didn't he didn't say Aquaman's ridiculous. I'm not going to do this. He found and, the value. In yes, it. and he did also didn't go the people will think this is ridiculous. I better make it more dark. Right. He is right. just like no. you know what? No, this is going to be a fun movie. Yeah. No, we had a We're great, have it had fun. a good balance between yeah. humor and action, and you know the dark nights of the soul. It, it was, it was a the the classic that classic mix. Yeah. It's it's the mix you get in an Errol Flynn movie. It's the yes. mix you get in an Indiana Jones Absolutely. movie. It's, yes. It's 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 a hard note to hit, but if you hit it right. It goes down smooth. Yeah. And the thing with Momo is that he doesn't seem like he's acting. I mean, when he's in a – particularly in any situation that's like a bar, <laughs> <laughs> he, he just seems like he's supposed to be there. You know, when he, like, slams a, you know, a big pint glass down. I mean, it's just like, well, of course. Well, I mean, wouldn't he do that? He'd be doing it if he was at a bar around the corner. Well, that's, you know, that's <laughs> smart casting, too. It's it like, is. like, uh, no, he's, just stick with it. So, yeah, you and, know, and furthermore, it's a chance to play, to use all those skills of his instead of, like, having him play a broody murder bot. <laughs> and, you know, and I will say this, too, also, uh, the, uh, when he emerges as, you know, the king of Atlantis as Aquaman, uh, in the full <clears> costume, <throat> Uh, you know, I, you know, um, some of the past Batman movies, 
I I really hate it because I, I I you know I was called in the costume and we like the rhinestone yeah. superhero. Yeah. Uh, and this costume is a little bit that way, but you know what? I thought it was awesome. <laughs> the images of him coming up out of the ocean with the, in the new, in the Aquaman suit, he looked great. I mean, they, he, yeah. visually. The, the the movie really did hit all of yeah, and it, all it the right worked notes. in context because we've already seen the Atlantean civilization, which is full of as much sparkle and color and over the top decorations you can imagine. So like, of freaking course, their royal armor is going to be like yeah. glitzy. It's just the way they go, and it's it's not like Batman who's like, I'm very dark. I have thought of all the shiny details on my costume. It's in character. Well, is where I'm going. Like with I this. said, some execs at Warner Brothers are just sitting there saying nobody knows anything. In the words of the late great William Goldman. Uh, well, I want to move on. And Kate, I'm just so sad that you didn't see into the Spider-Man of the Spider-Man yes. yet. Well, because there are only so many hours in the day. I know, but when you see the <laughs> the tears of radiant joy streaming down mine and Calvin's faces as we talk I want about to this see movie, it's, it's a really good movie. It really is. I just I thought it. You know, I think when 2018 began with Black Panther and ended with Into the Spider-Verse, we just entered a whole new realm. I I, I get emotional just thinking about Into the Spider-Verse. It is. One of the best superhero movies of all time. Well, then I'm going to let you start it off. I'm going to let you kick it off. Well, it's just amazing. It's just freaking amazing uh, how beautiful and wonderful this movie is. It made me – it's a New York movie. Oh, God. It really captures, like, the spirit of Spider-Man. And uh, it it brings Miles Morales into the cinematic universe. But the whole idea is that there are Spider-Man and other universes, which is a pretty well-established idea in the comics. Mm -hmm. And they are all brought to our universe to fight uh, some villains. And Miles has to learn how to be Spider-Man. Which is... But <laughs> as as you, but the message of the movie is that we're all Spider Man, and we can all be Spider Man. And you know, it is a riff on Stanley's great, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Mm. But it takes the Spider Man mythos of you know loss and uh, you know loss of a friend and responsibility and living up to your best self and being bitten by a radioactive spider and, and insecurity and and, and facing uh facing. The problems of real life uh, can be as devastating to you as the supervillains. Right. right. Um, yeah. Just making a living it's, in it's New York. Just, <laughs> and it is, you know, Kate, it's hard to oversell this movie, honestly. I went to go see it with a couple of friends who, I, I, actually, they're friends over for like a friend invited me to go along and some people who I kind of know a little bit. And I said, I've already seen it, and it's just so wonderful. I said, I don't want to build it up too much in your mind, but I said, I think it's impossible to oversell this movie. And, you know, they were, like, beaming. They just loved it so much. So I, I, so I hope you – I hope we're not overselling it because uh, it's just wonderful. It's, it's just a terrific wonderful movie. It's and, and the other thing is, it finally, it really – you know, having Miles Morales as Spider-Man really, you know, brings a, the, a real – a representation into the Marvel universe. Um, as that's seen in the fantastic. Movies. Yeah, yeah, that's as seen in the movies. And it really reflects that with all the supporting characters as well. I mean, it's an incredibly diverse New York that we see when we walk out of our house. And, and all the voices are great and all that. But most, uh, well, second most important of all is they used all these new animation techniques to make this movie. And it looks like nothing you've seen ever. It looks yeah. so fresh and 
and like a comic book come to life. Uh, I loved this movie with well, all every too. fiber of my being. Yeah. I loved it. Well, <laughs> well, this book uh, and 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 it's, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, Black Panther. I mean, in its own way, um, Into the Spider Verse. Uh, it's a movie of great complexity. Even though, look, this is a movie, this is a sit down, get your popcorn, and you're gonna have a damn good time movie. But there is a complexity in it. Now, it's, it's kind of reflexive. It really, I mean, it's kind of the Spideypedia is really kind of what it is. <laughs> I mean, it's really, I mean, I responded specifically to, uh, first of all, this movie is a homage to the comic books. I mean, I've, I've been a little edgy because I've seen some early, some of the credits in Marvel movies now. They weren't using the, the flip of comics. They were using the flip of scenes from other Marvel right. movies. And I was like, eh, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Not in this movie. The Spider-Verse is a complete and 100% homage to comics, to the comics that these these characters and all different eras. Out of. There's Steve Ditko. There's Bill Sienkiewicz. There's Sarah Pichelli. There's there's Robbie Rodriguez. There is and it's, John it's Romita. subtle oh. and obvious at almost at almost all times. It's all about that. Um, it's also about uh, Spider-Man's iconic place in the culture. I mean, it's very interesting. Now, some of us like me who was there at the beginning. Spidey is Superman. I mean, he functions in the culture in the same way. This character, these superhero characters, they become a part of our old brain in some way. And and this movie shows how Spider-Man has done that. Um, and what Marvel has always been good at is a, taking its characters and putting them in yeah. a contemporary moment. This movie is driven by youth culture, by hip-hop. By non-whites, by black and Latino, uh, in collaboration with the white actors and the white characters as well, to to create this 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 uh, uh, to recreate New, New York and New York as the capital of superheroes on the screen. Uh, it, it, it's just delightful. It's smart. It's funny. It's um. It's never flags. I mean, uh, no. you will laugh out loud. <laughs> yeah, you will laugh, but, but, you know, most of all, I, I just, you know, like visually, like a, a friend of mine who is actually a, a, a computer graphics animator saw it, and, you know, he just was raving. He said it totally broke the mold. Uh, you know, it just did things that he had never yeah. seen done before, and, it's been a while since we well, saw that. Yeah, exactly. The and, animation is 3D and 2D at the same time. It's, yeah. It's, well, they did a lot of things. They just broke, I think one of the things that technically they did was they broke away for most CGI animation, you know, they build an armature for the character and then it moves in a certain way and then you can stretch it, but you know, that's yeah. how it moves. Whereas, and that really gives things move exactly the same. I mean, how many of the little kids yeah. with the little stubby noses and fingers have you seen doing this and like, you know, and so with this movie, they, uh, they, they stretch things and they, they yeah. move them in different ways. And I, you know, there's so many people who saw this movie who's, myself included, who wrote like we cried when we saw it, you know? And I, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Well, I didn't cry, but it wasn't, it is an emotional movie. Um, and I, so one more thing I wanted to mention it because there's well, so much I, I think about one of the game. reasons people cried is just that they were seeing things visually in a way that yeah. they had not mm-hmm. seen and I think that it's like with Mad Max um, Fury Road it's like when we see things that are not vis- that visually affect us in a different way like this movie affected us the way a drawing would affect us well that's yeah. um, but the, the visual style was so amazing because it really was like 
I mean, when you really needed it, it was very 2D. Yeah. You know, and it had the antiquality that that 2D animation can have and the comic books have. Uh, at the other time, they could uh, affect really the power of, of CG animation to, to give you facial expressions, for instance. Um, so then all of a sudden it would be a little 3D. But, I mean, they really seem to be able to use it to manipulate both your emotions and to, to push the, the, the narrative forward. Well, listen, I, save something for Kate to see when she sees it. We, we look forward <laughs> you know to it. I'm sure nothing could spoil But I, I will say this. Sp- Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse gave me hope. <laughs> it really did. It gave well, me hope. Well, there you go. Uh, you know, well, a tip of the hat to, um, to Spidey and to Stanley, who of course makes an appearance. Yes, yes. Uh, in the movie as well. Um, and what uh, I hope is that this will herald more superhero animated movies of high quality. Oh, I don't, I, I don't think so. for that. High quality, yeah. oh, not It's not direct- making a lot of money, I understand. No, it's not. This movie's kind of like, I mean, it's, gonna, it's doing okay. It got, it's, it's, it's got getting rave reviews. rave reviews and, uh, awesome. I, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Iron Giant. Because oh, that's when you mm-hmm. see that, I mean, that I see, movie yeah. was a flop when it first came out, mm. but it was such a magical, special movie. And, you know, now it's a beloved classic yeah. that everybody, you know, adores the hell out of. And I mean, yeah. this is a very special movie. I and, don't and mean to be like, sound stupid, but it is very special. quickly. Also, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the way that Miles Morales' family is depicted, I mean, it's just oh, everything I mean, about it. Yeah. Uh, the the music, way the learning, soundtrack, uh, learning to be a superhero. And then, of course, Having every superhero from every various multiverse. And John Mullen, what's his, as, as, Mo- John Mulaney. John Mulaney is Spider-Ham. Oh, oh my yeah, God. yes. Spider-Ham. You, you know, there was just like the, the saffron in the stew. Because every yeah. time he said anything, I burst out laughing. But he only says like six things in the whole movie. Because and, but they're all hilarious. Yeah. Would have been too much <laughs> saffron. Anyway, all right. All right. Listen. That's enough. Okay, that's enough. We <laughs> loved it. Gushing. Gush, gush, over. gush. So there. Okay. So, uh. Um, less happy news. <laughs> oh, now let's bring it down. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, Mattel lost their DC toy license. Oh, darn. It went to, uh, was it Spin Master? Yeah, and Spin their, Master. their, t- stocks plummeted. You know, this has been a rumor. I mean, Mattel, this is you shocking. Forever, I mean, if you're yeah. a, ch- you know, a child prior to 2010. I mean, the name Mattel was like yeah. Barbie and yeah, yeah. Man, and I mean the toys of our youth, our youths. <clears throat> and now, I, I mean, now the rumors are going to be bought by Hasbro. I mean, the DC. I mean, they still have Barbie and they still have He Man. Uh, I think and they, they may get more licenses. They might, but poof, that was huge, man. That was huge. Um, especially, well, there have been some rumors that a lot of people have not been so happy with Mattel toys, specifically action figures for the last few years. Yeah. There have been some quality issues. Uh-huh. So that may have some part in this. There you go. Yeah, well, you know what? You got a precious license. You better treat I, it that way. You know something? I mean, I haven't been to Toy Fair in a few years, but uh, you know, compared to Hasbro's Marvel toys, I will agree. They were a lot more childish. Yeah. And they were certainly not hitting the adult collector market the way uh, you know, which yeah. is where the market seems to be yeah. these well, but days, it's not right? just that. Ways. It's that... They're not just for kids. Well, but but that kids, because people were stepping up their action figure game in order to also appeal to adult collectors, like, you know, kids become more visually sophisticated mm-hmm. when it yeah. comes to their action figures. Oh, yeah. They're like, well, my uh, Star Wars action figures look awesome, 
so why do my Batman action figures look stupid? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids will just say it out loud, won't they? Um, I think you're right. <laughs> I think you know, even kids are starting to like fancier action figures. And yeah, absolutely. Mattel wasn't keeping up. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, uh, I will say. Well, I haven't been to Toy Fair in two years. I need to go this year. So I haven't seen Spin Master in a while, but, uh, I'm not sure they're called, anyway. Okay. It'd be interesting to see. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, on to the briefs. And now the briefs. So, um, in proof that <laughs> There really is such a thing as a genuinely beloved in the entire comic industry person. Um, DC Comics, of all places, of all people, of all brands, did a tribute page to Stan Lee. So they have this black and white memorial page that says, you know, in tribute to Stan Lee and, you know, has his dates of lifespan. And, uh, you know, they put it in the back of DC I was surprised. Comics. I didn't know Stanley had worked for uh, DC. I didn't know he had done anything. Apparently, he had. He oh, had I done. did DC represent Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't know crossover. he had even had his name on a DC book. So, uh, you know, but, but obviously. Yeah. I don't think that's what, I was, don't think it was those books that's yeah. why they did yeah. a tribute, you know? They well, did it no, because but of I mean, Stanley. there was some connection, you know, that I, yeah, I didn't know about. But yeah, but look. The comic industry is so incestuous that everyone (laughs) of any name has done something for someone at some point. But uh, the beloved Stanley. Yes. Um, Let's see. So Moto Hagio of, you know, A Drunken Dream, of The Heart of Thomas, of the Poe Clan, is on a quest, a quest for art. So back in the 70s when The Heart of Thomas came out – Flower Magazine um, had given away the chapter starting art as a promotional giveaway. That, you know, you'd win a contest, you'd get an original piece of Moto Hagio art. Well, none of this art has been sitting since the 70s. Hasn't turned up in museums. No one knows where it is. Wow. And they thought, wouldn't it be great if we could put it in an exhibit together? So they put a call out to fans saying, do you know where this art is? If you know, can you talk to the owner and ask them to call us because we would love to borrow this art and put it on display. So right now there are uh, manga fans out there, you know, old school shoujo fans out there like doing the uh, Willy Wonka golden ticket thing and trying to find that lost Moto Hagio art. That's a combination of devotion and optimism that I'm in completely in awe of. I mean, this is 50 years ago. Yeah, but on the other <laughs> hand, like it was at, even at that time, like being given away as like an art collectible. So it's probably on a wall. It's probably not in a garbage can. Yeah. I hope. But the question is, whose wall and where? And even if they only find a few of them, I'm sure they have amazing stories about yeah. where they ended up. Um, art for the people, man. Yeah, for sure. And and Crunchyroll has come up with a very interesting little map. They have told us what is... Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Most popular streaming anime of 2018 by country. And this map is a little hard to read because they're like superimposing the promo images of the art onto like 
it maps was a, little, was a little tricky, but that don't really fit. But it's it's a wonderful idea. So they uh, so My Hero Academia was uh, big in the United States. Oh, are you surprised? I'm surprised. Um, but it wasn't alone. Uh, Baruto, Black Clover, and Darling in the Franks um, really did very well, and things you would not have expected. Uh, I really can't. Well, one thing, it's very hard to bring up this map because it, it keeps borking on my iPod. Sorry, people. Um, but let's see what do we got here. Um, so, uh, Central, let's see. So Central America seems to like <laughs> Death March to the Parallel World Rhapsody. <laughs> Was not expecting that one. Um, Idolish is Big in um in Oceania, so I mean, I who knew? <laughs> we should try a laptop. <laughs> and um, you know, standard in, in North America and South America, where you've got like My Hero Academia, Black Clover, and Baruto. And um, in Africa, Africa just doesn't have any of the ones you'd expect. Okay. <laughs> it's got some pla- some anime I've never even heard of, but uh you do you Africa. Okay. You do you. Well, I, I what is it? A guy told me years ago that, you know, um pop culture is a global business now and that, you know, it, it, the order of 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 what any particular country likes. It's all the same stuff, but it just they just shift up the order. It's all, yeah. you know, it's all, you know, Frank Miller and, you know, Naruto <laughs> and Walking Dead. They're popular everywhere, but you know their their order, their one, two, and three changes wherever you go in the world. So, exactly. Yeah, anime apparently is no differently. No, it is not. And one last thing, folks, do you have a uh, LGBT uh, graphic novel, mini comic, web comic in the works, or recently published in the last year? Well, it's time for the Prism Awards. You have until February 1st to submit your submission for the Prism Awards. It is for LGBT comics. Um, Some of the prizes even include money. So if you have something that might be eligible, roll on over to publishersweekly.com slash comics. And we have an article on the subject. Yeah, <laughs> and can I just interject? I, 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 well, I just, I gotta interject because mm. I'm a judge for the Prism Award. Oh, cool. So okay, I look great. forward to, please, you know, I yeah. really love looking at all the submissions that I get to judge. I'll this will be my third year as a judge and, uh, oh, cool. really, uh, right. something I really enjoy doing. And I just entered that the, uh, um, um, uh, along with the Prism Awards is the Prism Comics Queer Press Grant, which is a little different, but actually it's a grant to, uh, individual artists. Uh, that will help them publish their work. All right. Well, yeah. we're off to a great start yes. for 2019. Welcome to 2019. All right. Here we are. What will the next 12 months bring? Yeah. We will see. Because there is definitely more to come. <laughs>